Open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. I am so enjoying working through these verses and doing my best to do it in the, the larger chunks because we'd be in here for about six years if we, if we slowed down. I do want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up tonight. I am doing an ordination in, uh, helping in an ordination in Toledo. And uh, Tom May is going to be speaking for us. And so those of you who are in his class know what a tremendous teacher he is. And uh, the rest of you get to experience a little bit of that tonight. And then Wednesday, uh, Laura and Jacob and I, we drive out to Colorado because uh, this ugly guy right down here is stealing my daughter. And uh, we're going to have her wedding, and hopefully it's on Friday. We're going to do it on the side of a mountain, and based on the weather, it'll be the, either be Friday or Saturday. And so the story behind this jacket, so Lydia was supposed to be getting married to this guy on the beach in Puerto Rico, so I had this linen jacket, you know, I, so I could, it's perfect for the beach, right? Now it's in Colorado, and so it just doesn't work. But anyway, that's where, so the Tommy Bahama look is because it was supposed to be on the beach. But anyway, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time. And uh, let me just say this. I'm very thankful for this young man right here. He loves God. And, uh, and, and now Lydia is going to be his problem. Um, so <laughs> it's a blessing. It's going to be good. Um, so then we're taking our vacation. So I'm going to be gone for the next three Sundays. So we have men lined up to preach. Of course, Steve Clayton next week, all day. And then um, the following week, Patrick and Aiden, who's studying in Bible college to be a preacher, he's going to preach Sunday night the 16th. How about that? Isn't that cool? So I want you all to be here and make faces at him so he gets used to it. And then the following week, Justin Yo is going to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. And isn't it good that God has brought men to our church that can handle God's word well? Isn't that good? Uh, Ty Blackford was going to preach for us, but he didn't want to. So, no, he's going on vacation. So it's uh, so that's what's going to be happening the next few weeks. There will be a Bible study uh, online this coming Wednesday night. Justin and I will record that on Tuesday. But then for the next few weeks, there won't be the... Uh, online Bible study. So that's what's going on. So when you think about texting us over the next couple of weeks for someone's phone number or address, we're not here. We're, we're on vacation. So, uh, but of course, if there's ever a great need, we'll be back as soon as we need to be. But uh, so be in prayer for us. We're looking forward to this. You know, through all the building program and everything, we weren't able to take our regular time off. And so, man, I am so looking forward to this out in Colorado. All right, so pray that uh, the liberals don't make us crazy. All right, open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. Let's look at verse 33. Psalm 119 and verse 33. The Bible says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. 
Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Lord, help us as we study your word. And Lord, we could spend so much time in this section, but help us to have a good overview of it. And Lord, I pray that it's helpful for us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to see is the way that the psalmist, you'll notice that there's some intensity that is building in his prayer to God. And look at the requests that he makes. They're they're almost, doesn't it almost seem like he's commanding God here or demanding of God? And what's happening here in this text is, look, verse 1, or verse 33. He says, teach me. Verse 34, give me. 35, make me. Verse 36, incline my heart. Verse 37, turn away mine eyes. 38, establish thy word. 39, turn away my reproach. And then at the end of verse 40, quicken me in thy righteousness. What I want you to see right here, and it's so important, that the Christian walk really is, and of course this would be the Jewish walk, right, in Psalm 119. But for us, the Christian, the Christian walk is made up of, all I can think of is I'm hunting wabbits. Uh, but the Christian walk is made up of behaviors. Behaviors. So we've, we're, we're grounding ourselves in the Word of God. And we're going to look at the, those ten words that the, that the psalmist uses to describe the Bible. There are seven of those in this eight-verse section. And we're going to look at those in a second. And so we believe and we accept the truth of the Word of God. Amen? That's where it starts. You can't behave yourself into salvation. But when you are saved, there are certain ways that you are to behave. And I think one of the problems that, and we try to identify these kinds of problems really just about every week, but in Christianity as a whole, in my lifetime, uh, I have seen basically two groups. And there are people that all they care about is your behavior. Their entire religion is behavior. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Then there are other people that don't think that you should ever in church be told how to behave. I can do what I want. I'm my own God. I'm my own king. I'm my own word. And both of those are wrong. Would you all agree with that? Both of those are wrong. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life, because that's the only way anybody can go to heaven, what happens is that we are now the possession of Jesus Christ. We have been bought with a price. We've been purchased Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to him, and because he is our king, because he is our Lord, he can determine the behaviors that are acceptable to him and the behaviors that are unacceptable to him. Would you all agree with that? And it's interesting. Notice the the, the requests that the psalmist makes. So look at verse 33. He says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. What is he saying? I can't really understand your statutes without your help. And remember what the statutes are. The statutes are those, those, uh, those laws, those rules that God has established, which are good for us. They are good for us. Let me give you a statute. All right. Brush your teeth. 
How many of you think that's a good statute? Why? Because they will fall out of your head. Are you all with me on this? I won't ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you wish that you had brushed your teeth better when you were young? You know, they're designed to last you your whole life if you keep them clean. Some of you are saying, how did we get into dentistry here? That's a statute that we know that's true. Brush your teeth and you'll have your teeth. Right? And and we know that, man, from bad teeth can come heart disease and all kinds of stuff. It's crazy how that, what, it's a law. It's a statute. If you do this, you'll do well. You see, there are so many things, and of course, brushing your teeth. I don't think brushing your teeth is in the Bible. I don't think it is. Some, some of you will help me with that. But there are other things that God tells us, this is a statute. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. These are statutes. If, if you obey these statutes, then it will be well with you. But how many of you know there's more to the Bible than the Ten Commandments? If I'm going to understand how God wants me to live and how I can be well, how, how my life can be blessed, I need him to teach me. Then look at the next verse, verse 34. Give me understanding. It's interesting. He says, teach me, and then he says, give me. Why do I need God to give me understanding? Because I don't have it. To understand God's supernatural word, I need his supernatural help. Are you with me? So here's what happens. You go to Bible college, and you learn the historical, grammatical, literal interpretation of Scripture. And that's a good thing. You want to understand the history of the text, you want to understand the grammar, and then you want to take it literally. All right? That's the way that we're taught to study the Bible. Here's the problem. Here's what's left out of that. A lost person can do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible says that his words are spiritually discerned. That the carnal man, that is the man who is not born again, cannot understand the things of God. So just this week, how many of you saw that the Portland protesters were burning Bibles in front of the, the government building there? That's where they are now. They're burning Bibles. I don't think they understand what they're doing. It's very interesting. See, and, and here's what we need to be careful of. I've got this. I've got this. And I've, and I've told you the story. We're on our Baptist history tour. We're taking some canoes down to this really cool grave site on the New River. Where are all the news? We're on the New River. And Craig Peak, remember Brother Peak from Man Camp? Ed was there. Funniest thing ever. He's getting ready to get into his canoe. He says, I got this steps and immediately i got this he is in the water the canoe is flipped the other guy that was in the canoe is in the water i got this every time i think i've got this i think of craig peak now and here's what happens when we read the bible we need to be careful we need to be careful that we just read it quickly and we say i've got this we need to ask the holy spirit of god to give us understanding Will y'all do that for me this week as you do your Bible reading? Will you, I, I, here's, this, is, this is your homework. As you open up your Bible, say to the Lord, Lord, give me understanding as I read this. And I'm curious to see what happens to your Bible reading this week. Look at the next verse. 
So verse 34, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. I do want to add this to the give me understanding request here. How many of you have ever had someone tell you at a job or as you're being trained to do something a certain way and you've not really understood why? Has that ever happened? It could be that you're an electrician and you have to do something a certain way. And and initially you don't really understand why. And then somebody gets electrocuted and you know the why. You see, that old saying, before you tear down a fence, find out why it was put there in the first place. You see, we need understanding for why God's laws are the way they are. You know, in our culture, people don't understand why God says that a man needs to marry a woman. There are people that don't understand that. Do you know what? God needs to give them understanding. They need to understand his law. Amen? How many of you think we have people that need to understand that the government's role in our lives ought to be limited? They need understanding. This is such an interesting thing. So, it's either this past week or the week before, John MacArthur came out and made this, he made a crazy statement. We're going to have church. Crazy. Over-the-top, conspiracy theorist, insurrectionist, he said the Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. We're going to gather together again for church. And that made national news. He was on Tucker Carlson's show. And what's interesting, it's like when we did the uh, biblical response to socialism at Ohio State, and the, the opposition, the, really the only opposition came from soft-headed Christians. That's the exact same thing that's happened to John MacArthur. We expect people that hate God to come out against him. We expect that. And we all know, I'll, I'll say it out loud, John MacArthur and us, we disagree on Calvinism and we disagree on which translation of the Bible to use. Those are things that we disagree on. Other than that, we're really close. All of that aside, I very much appreciate his stand on this because that's what we said a while back. We're just going to have church. Somebody said, what are you going to do if they come to try and shut you down? We're just not going to shut down. We're going to have church. And it's interesting, if you go on YouTube, you look at, there's this group, it's called Nine Marks. Nine Marks. I don't think it's nine guys named Mark. I I think that these are identifiers that they're going to have. And it's it's a part of the Gospel Coalition. It's a group of of evangelicals. And this this guy wrote a, a response to MacArthur where he said, I don't know that it's wise for us to violate or to to stand up to the government on this because we don't want to use up the capital that we have because soon the LGBT community is going to be coming after us. So we don't want to use that up. But if we say to the government, you can shut us down here, why won't they be able to shut us down with that other later? Do you know what that guy needs who wrote that article? He needs God to give him understanding. To understand not man's laws, but God's laws. Look at the verse, verse 34. Give me understanding, 
and I shall keep whose law? Who's the thy there? Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So what are we going to do? We're not going to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So when a leader like MacArthur stands up and says, at my 10,000 member church, we're going to have church. And all of a sudden, the liberals, their hair gets on fire. And even Christians, I, I heard uh, Dan Bongino, he talked about, you know those, those Roomba vacuums? And when you, you put it in your room the first time, it bumps into the wall and moves around. That's what happens to liberals every time somebody stands up and says something. They run around bumping into the walls, just absolutely going crazy. And that's what happened when MacArthur said, the craziest thing in the world, we're going to have church. Who would have thought five years ago that in the year 2020, it would be crazy to have church. He came out and he said that the chances of you living in, so he's in Los Angeles. He's right outside Los Angeles, California. One of the hot spots, right? He said the chances of you surviving the coronavirus in our county are 99.998%. That's the chances of you surviving. This is not a risk. Well, it is a risk, but it's an infinitesimal risk. You see, this is all. I'm just telling you, folks. If you have spiritual understanding, you know that this is a trial run for a one-world government that shuts down religious and political dissent. That's where we are. What do we need? We need someone to give us understanding for what's going on in the world. There have been four deaths from coronavirus in Shelby County, Ohio. Four. People are going crazy. We not need not to be among that. We need to be the people who have hope. We don't live in fear. As that great conservative said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That was Franklin Roosevelt, one of Satan's own demons. Look at verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. Do you see what it says? Folks, this is the prayer that we need to pray to God every day. Make me. Make me. Remember that when you were a kid? Hey, I need you to get out of the way. Make me. I never said that very much. <laughs> I was the runt of the litter. I know that shocks you, right? Did any of you ever say that? Or have you ever dumb enough to say that to your dad? Ty, did you ever say that to your dad? <laughs> Jeff's laughing back there. How would that have gone, Jeff? Not good. Not good. Sue says it to him all the time, though. <laughs> she just said, yeah. Isn't that funny? Make me. That's a, isn't that kind of a belligerent? That's not what's happening here. You see, David understands that we need, listen, we need the impetus of the Spirit of God in our lives to make us do right because my bent is not to do right. 
And notice what he's saying to make him to do. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments. And it's interesting. It's hard for us to go the right way. Isn't it true, young people? It's just hard to make the right choice all the time. We need God to make us to do that. Uh, I want God to give me those, those, it's like, you know, when you go bowling and they put the bumpers up so you can't go into the gutter, right? You all have heard my bowling story. My senior year of high school, they asked me to be on the bowling team. And I like to bowl. I said, sure, I'll be on the bowling team. They said, what's your average? Well, I knew that 300 was good and I knew I wasn't any good. So I said 180. They're all excited. I didn't know why they were excited. I go out, and in our first match, or whatever you call it, I bowled a 53. (laughs) I couldn't bowl. It was terrible. So if they put up those bumpers, I'm awesome. You know what I want God to do in my life? I want God to put those bumpers up to keep me out of the gutter. It's exactly make me to go in, how does it say it, the path of thy commandments. Look at verse 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. So let's look at the the words that we've used. Statutes, those are God's established rules. The law, that's the, the first five books of the Bible. And then verse 35, make me to go in the paths of thy commandments. These are the commands of the king. These are the things he has told us to do. And then incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Those testimonies are the the things that, that God has said in the Bible about those who have done well or those who have done evil. Those are testimonies. Let me tell you what happens when you go against God's word. Let me tell you what happens when you obey God's word. And what it says is incline my heart. The Bible talks about inclining your ear. Come here, Jeffrey. So what I, want, what I want to do is I want to, I want to say something in your ear. What has to happen for me to say something in your ear? Come here. I want to say something in your ear. What's he doing? He's inclining his ear. <laughs> Was that creepy? Yeah. So look. I think that one's going to come. Look, they're already talking about it back there. No, that cannot come back. So, and they're saying, then don't do it. So you see, he had to incline his ear. Isn't that different than when your kids, you're talking to them and they're doing all this? It's incline your ear. Here he's saying, incline my heart. Uh, I'm already trying to learn and understand. You're making me to go now what I want you to do, it got, he's praying to God. God, I want you to make this my heart's desire. I want you to turn, because my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, God, please change my heart. Change the direction of my innermost desires. Incline my heart. Look at verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. What is that? Man, we are all focused on something. What are you focused on? Either it's the emptiness, the vanity, the worthlessness of the world, or it's the way of righteousness. God, focus my eyes, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me 
in my way. What Make me alive to you. Make me alive. Quicken me. Then look at what it says in verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant. You know, we all have rules that we live by. We all have ideas that we live by. We all have mottos or things that guide us. Uh, I learned one recently, and I just mentioned it to Jacob. I mentioned Dan Bongino a minute ago. I heard him talking about things that have um, influenced him. And he read a book in this statement. It's a leadership book. One of them was never run for trains. Never run for trains. And that's, what does that mean? You know what what time the train leaves. Be there ready to get on it. How many of you think that's a good life's principle? I know you're thinking, I don't really take trains. It's not about the trains. You know what time the interview is. You know what time the class starts. You know what time your shift starts. You know what time you're supposed to be home for supper. You know what time you're supposed to do these things. See, these are life ideas, right? What I want to be the things that guide my life. I want God's word to be established in my heart. I want God's word to be true and real in my heart. See, that's one of the reasons that we're so against the modern Bible translation movement where a new Bible comes out every year. There's, what, what, is, what is being established? Lawrence Vance has identified they've already done three or four updates on the ESV. They're changing the ESV every couple of years. What are you believing, right? Establish God's word in my heart. Then look at what it says, verse 39. Turn away my reproach, which I fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear. It doesn't really give us which reproach he's talking about. Is it the reproach of sin? Now, how many of you know David experienced the reproach of sin in his life? Yes. Or is it the reproach that comes on us from doing right when you take a stand for the Lord? When you say, I'm going to stay married. I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to require my children to obey. When, when we live those ways, I'm going to love my wife, not my bass boat. When we, when we live that way, when we live that way, that can bring reproach on us. Because like, like if you say, I'm, I don't drink. The Bible makes it very clear. Wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and what it does in people's lives. And when you say, That's, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Well, what happens, especially in a community like ours, where the religion of our community is, is drinking. How many of you know that? That's the religion. And if you don't drink, then that's an indictment against them. Oh, you think you're better than me? No. The Bible says that it's not for kings. And then the Bible calls us kings. And so we don't drink. And it's interesting. I think I mentioned this in the Bible study Wednesday night. That's one of those areas that there is discussion in Christianity about the meaning of the Greek word oinos. I don't think that's the conversation we're having. I think people just like to get drunk. They, they like to have something because their lives are so miserable that they want something that will diminish the pain that they experience. They enjoy the buzz. That's what's going on. When, so when you say, I don't want to bring anything into my life that, that has the option to control me or my children... 
You know, some people become alcoholics very quickly. It's, it's a genetic predisposition. Wouldn't it be better not to have that in your house or in your life? Amen? How many of you know people whose lives have been destroyed, people have been molested because of alcohol? How many of you know people that are like that? Well, then let's not do that, right? So what happens is I have God's Word established in my heart. I'm trying to turn away reproach. Trying to turn away reproach. If you're going to live for God in a pagan culture, you will experience reproach. But look at the way that David says it. Very interesting. Verse 39, turn away my reproach. What does he say there? Which I fear. Which I fear. Listen, none of us wants to look like an idiot. None of us, you're thinking, why did you wear that coat? I know you are. I knew you were thinking that. None of us wants to look like a fool. None of us wants to be mocked. None of us wants to be ridiculed. But if you're going to live righteously in a wicked culture, you're going to receive rep- Just get used to it. Stop caring what people think about you. Care about what God thinks of you. Then look at what it says. Verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Again, make me alive to righteousness. You know that you're dead to righteousness, right? There's none righteous, no, not one. And what God is trying to do in your life, God wants to make you alive to righteousness. That's the desire. So look at those commands. The first are demands that David is making of God. Teach me, give me, make me, incline my heart, turn away mine eyes, establish thy word, turn away my reproach, quicken me in thy righteousness. How many of you think it would be good for us to pray all of those? So there's your prayer list for the week. Just start praying that in God's, that the Holy Spirit will do those things for you. But then uh, look, look at the ten words, okay? The ten words. There are seven of them. Here, statutes in verse 33, those are God's established laws, his rules. Law in verse 2, and then commandments in verse, I'm sorry, I said verse 2, verse 34. Verse 35, commandments, these are the things that God has commanded that you're supposed to do. Testimonies, those are the things that he gives us examples of good and bad results. And then thy word in verse 38 Verse 39, God's judgments. Those are the things God has judged this to be wicked. God has judged this to be evil. Those are things that we are not to do, right? And then precepts, those are those things that, those are those statutes that we're supposed to share with somebody else. Notice what he says about those statutes in verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. I said statutes, I meant precepts. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. I've longed after them. So what is that? I, I long to help people understand God's blessing that comes from living according to his rules. Remember, precepts are statutes that we're supposed to share with somebody else. So here's what I want you to see. You have these requests, but I want you to see the emotions that David is expressing and the words that he's using to express those emotions. Notice what he says in verse 34. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with what? My whole heart. My whole heart. Do you have a divided heart? 
Do you have a divided heart where you're, you, you've got part of your, your desire is to the world and part of your desire is to God? Part of your desire is to God's law and part of your desire is to unrighteousness. You see, God wants all of us. And we think, oh, I've given up so much for the Lord. I've given up so much. I can promise you this, guys. I promise you. I promise you. You'll never give up anything for God that he wants you to have. Man, my whole heart. Now look at what it says in verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. I love to do what God, it's my greatest pleasure, that word delight. Uh, The verse on the back, Psalm 119, verse 47. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. The thing that gives me pleasure is not unrighteousness and sin. The thing that gives me pleasure is God's commandments and God's law. How many of you think you need God's help for that to be your spirit? Yes, that's why it has to be a matter of prayer. Look at what it says in verse 36. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Understand, covetousness is your heart, isn't it? Covetousness, you want what someone else has. You want someone else's wife. You want someone else's house. You want someone else's job. It's not yours. It's not yours. Stay in your lane. Ask God to put those bumpers up to keep you from going in the gutter. You see, it's an attitude. Take away covetousness. Give me delight. Anything that you ask God to take away, young people, if you ask God to take away, you've got to replace it with something. Then look at what it says. Look at verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Devoted to thy fear. See, modern Christianity wants a God that's their buddy. So, you know, so Dalton and I. If we're, if we're out bumping around in Chicago, goofing off, just having fun, and he wants to go to one restaurant, and I want to go to another, and I coerce him into going to my restaurant, I don't care. I wanted to go to that restaurant. I don't care what that knucklehead thinks. We're eating here. Y'all have friends like that? Some of you say, no. You're missing out. It's very interesting. Um, we have completely different musical tastes. My favorite sound a, a, a banjo makes is the sound it makes when it hits a dumpster. Okay? Just, that might be an exaggeration. And I don't like bluegrass music. It's just not my thing. Some of you love bluegrass-style music. That's your thing, right? His opinion about my music, he said, I, I like opera and stuff. He goes, Aah! he always mocks my music. Why does everybody have to go, why does every, all your people have to go, We have different opinions. Does that matter? Seriously, does it matter that we like different music? Well, it does. He's wrong. It doesn't matter. Why? He's, we're, we're friends. We're peers. God is not your peer. If God has a different view on your music than you do, you need to submit to God. If God has a different view on how you're eating, then submit to God. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Does that make sense? So look at the text again. 
It says, establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy, what's that last word? Fear. We've got a, we've got a Christianity that does not fear God. They call it reverential law. Reverential law. Oh, really? So when somebody is undone, they're, they're, they're so scared they fall on their face and they feel like they're falling apart. That's reverential law. No, no. That's called fear. That is to be the way that we look at God. That we come into his presence with fear and with awe, with reverence and with submission. I'm devoted to him. How many of you want to worship a God that's going to bring order to every bit of this? Your buddy can't do that. The God of the universe can. Amen. And we won't have to listen to bluegrass for eternity. Now, look at what it says. Verse 39, turn away my reproach. You see that word again, which I what? See, we need the fear of God, not the fear of reproach. We need the fear of God, for thy judgments are good. But now look at this, this last uh, concept of, of, of emotion. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. So what have we seen? We've seen these commands, teach me, give me, make me, incline my heart, turn away mine eye, establish thy word, turn away my reproach, quicken me. We've looked at these words, statutes, law, commandments, testimonies, word, judgments, precepts. And then these, these emotions, whole heart, delight, covetousness, devoted, fear, longed after. And then your heart, your whole heart, and have that heart inclined. So what are we supposed to do with all of this? We started with... There are certain behaviors that are identified in this text. And these are the things that we need to include in our prayer list. Lord, give me. Give me understanding. Make me to walk in the paths of righteousness. Give me your righteousness. Lord, please help me. I don't want to long after the world. I want to long after you. That's what happens when we love God's word. Amen? And then all of our behaviors, when when our behaviors fall under the authority of God's word, then it doesn't feel like slavery or drudgery. I delight. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. It changes everything in us. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. So here's here's my desire for you. That you take these eight verses this week and you make these your prayer list. Teach me your statutes. Give me understanding. Make me go on the path of thy commandments. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Establish thy word unto thy servant. Turn away my reproach which I fear. Quicken me in thy righteousness. How many of you think that it would be a good thing for you to pray those things? Wow. Changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love your word. And Father, I pray if there's someone here who is resting in their righteousness, that they believe that their good works are going to take them to heaven. Lord, I pray today that they'll learn that the only way that they can be saved is by faith, by grace, believing in you and receiving the gift of eternal life that they can never earn.